And now, back to David Spada and Elliot Harris for more sports and torts on TalkZone.com. Next up, we have former Oakland Raiders center Jim Otto in an interview that we conducted a little while ago. So when you went down to Miami there, were you recruited heavily out of high school, or was that your only choice? When I was a senior in high school, I had 48 university scholarships. And Miami was one of them that I hadn't really thought that much about until I uh, had visited Minnesota, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and schools such as that. And then I visited Miami. It was in February, about this time of the year. I got, I, I think when I left Wausau, Wisconsin, it was 30 below zero, and I got to Miami, it was, it had to be about 75, and I couldn't believe it. And, uh, I just couldn't believe how it could be so cold in one spot and so nice and warm, and, and, uh, everything smelled so fresh because everything was so green. I mean, it was just really for a country boy from Wisconsin, it was just really a, a dream that uh, I never thought it would come true. So it wasn't a tough sell in the middle of winter. Uh, it, 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 actually, um, when it came time to go to uh, for two days in the in the summer in August, I was going to Minnesota, and um, I, I we went to Minnesota, got there in our old car, and the next morning we turned around, and drove right back to Wausau, and and, uh, and then got. I think we had about twenty dollars from my parents, and, and I was able to make it with gas money all the way down to Miami. So Northwestern was recruiting you in Era Parsegan back then. Uh, it was just before Era Parsegan, and it was in nineteen fifty-six. Yeah, I was, it was the spring of fifty-six that I was recruited. It was uh, it was my senior year in high school. Because Northwestern had some good players back then. I mean, you had Fred Williamson, you had um, the NFL Today host, Irv Cross, was part of those teams in the late 50s, I remember. Right, that's true. And and uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota had two great teams as well. I would have played in, in Rose Bowls if I had went to either one of those two schools. Now, when you went to Miami, they didn't tell you how hot and humid it would be, did they, uh, in August and September? No, and the... Uh, it's hot and humid for sure, and uh, also uh, we were on, the Miami was on probation, and I really had to think heavy on that. That was the thing that helped me uh, from going there to begin with, and then I thought, I looked at their schedule for the four years that I would be there, and uh, the, the University of Miami played people in the Atlantic Coast Conference, Southeast Conference, uh, Southwest Conference, the Big Ten uh, and, and teams like that all over, and I'd have and be exposed to a lot of different types of football, and I'd be able to play against almost every uh, conference in America. I see that, that was back in the day when Miami was an independent; it wasn't part of the conference. And, uh, that's true. We were independent, but we were we were also on probation. What I don't get is, I mean, okay, you were six two. And you, they said you were undersized and the NFL teams weren't interested in you. How big did they want a center? Well, back in those days, the uh, centers, uh, like uh, Jim Ringo, was probably the premier center at the time that I got out of college. And he played, he was with Green Bay and he weighed about 245. And uh, that was, you know, they may have thought he was a little small. 
Um, when I got out of college, I played 217, and I went to training camp, and I, I working out, having time to lift weights and everything like I did, I went to 240 the first year, my rookie year. And then gradually I, I worked my way up through weight training. There wasn't too much weight training going on in those days with a lot of the athletes. And, uh, but I believed in it. I, I studied uh, kinesiology in college and I understood how I could build muscle and build strength and quickness. And that's what I did. I, I did a lot of uh, weight training and working out to the point where I, I worked my way up to 276. That was the biggest I was. And uh, so they didn't believe that I would get that big. A lot of the uh, teams would come to me later on. They tried to trade for me. They tried to get me uh, from the Raiders. Uh, but uh, as long as when Mr. Davis came in 1963, he wouldn't let me go for anything. Did you have any idea what you were getting into going to Oakland, which is just starting up in 1960, but the leagues all knew it's your first pro season? Well, sure, I, I didn't know what I was getting into because it was a, a step up. But really, uh, in those days, the American Football League in 1960 uh, was – wasn't that good. I mean, we didn't have that good of football players to begin with. Uh, it, it took a couple of years for guys like uh, Al Davis and uh, uh, Sid Gilman and and uh, uh, Hank Stram and guys like that to to uh, really start recruiting and and uh, signing some some more uh, better players um, into the league. And um, I had hopes that I would be a part of that all along. Uh, but, you know, I, I just wanted to play. I didn't get drafted by the National Football League. And they said they were going to draft me, but then when draft day came, they didn't draft me. Um, I just wanted to play football and, and getting the chance to play with Oakland. Um, and then playing the way I did in Oakland to begin with uh, was just the best thing for me because I, I, uh, I grew up up there. I really grew up there, got big, got, and uh, I learned how to really uh, play football the way I liked it. I mean, Oakland amassed some great talent there in the 60s and 70s. I mean, you had Fred Bolitnikoff, you had yourself, Tom Flores, LaMonica, and it seemed like it was a more wide-open offense in the AFL with the Raiders versus the NFL. Well, yes, that's that's true. I, I like that. Um, you know, and Let's just say that in 1960, 61, and 62, we were kind of the doormat of that league. And uh, I, I look at 19, the, the year 1962, and this past season with the Raiders is almost being the same. We, uh, this year, our Raider football team won four games. In um, my uh, first year with the Raiders, uh, we only won a couple games. And, and uh, it, it was tough. It, it was really tough. But I knew that there was a, a light at the end of the tunnel and that if I played hard and got my teammates to play hard and we had uh, a coach that we could have faith in and, and develop in, we would be good. And, and it took uh, Al Davis uh, to do that for us. And uh, that's so I was happy all the while I was there. Yeah. No, I mean, the first three coaches you had, Eddie Erdelitz, Marty Feldman, and Red Conkright, they won, I think, a cumulative 9-33. and 
Right. At some point, at some point, did you say, "Gee, maybe I'll get lucky and they'll trade me"? Well, I used to, you know, think that maybe they would trade me, but it never did happen. And uh, but there were teams trying to trade for me, but uh, the uh, the Oakland people wouldn't let me go. Uh, even when Miami got their franchise, uh, uh, Miami, being that I was from the University of Miami, the Miami Dolphins would have liked to have had me there to be a, a player. They don't like to have a, a University of Miami player on their team, but Al Davis wouldn't let me go, and uh, so I, uh, and I didn't mind it. I, I loved the, the entire time I was in Oakland, and uh, I'm still an Oakland boy. What was Al Davis like as a coach? Uh, you know, people know Al Davis, the owner. Uh, as a coach, how was he? As a coach, uh, Al Davis was uh, far superior to anyone. I think that Sid Gilman was an excellent coach for San Diego Chargers. He was a very fine coach. So was Hank Stram. But Al Davis uh, put so many innovations into football while he was coaching and uh he did so many different things uh, in coaching players. He was excellent at, at working with wide receivers and stuff. And uh, you know, he had Lance Allworth, who is in the Hall of Fame. He worked with him at San Diego. He worked with Blitnikoff. He worked with a lot of our wide receivers, and uh, and also offensive linemen like me. I mean, he would come up to me during the practice and and tell me, he said, "Jim, just move your right foot." Just a little bit more to outside, he says, and, and then drive off of that foot. And, you know, he had different little things he'd help me with, and he'd help everybody with, actually. And, uh, you know, knowing uh, what to do, just no different than uh, way back then, we played in some games where it was very similar to what uh, uh, Baltimore had to do this weekend was t- uh, snap, get a direct snap from the center and run around the end zone to run the clock out. I mean, we did that the very first time we did that. People thought we were nuts, and uh, I predicted it this weekend when I saw what situation they're in. I said they better get that ball on a direct snap and run the clock out. As they did, I was kind of excited about that. But I mean, he did he did a lot of different things that were innovative as to uh, how we would. Uh, <clears throat> well, actually, John Harbaugh ran a, a, a fake punt, uh, or was it a field goal? Uh, Sunday, and you know things like that. There are a lot of guys that that would never do that. They, they don't have the uh, the the guts to do it. So um, there's uh, that that's the type of coaching that uh, he would be. I mean, because when he became coach of the Raiders, he wasn't just the coach; he was the general manager. And the, I don't think that ever happened in the NFL at that time. No, um, I think I think Lombardi was uh, head coach and general manager, wasn't he? But I, I know that uh, Al Davis, when he came aboard, that's what he was, and uh, you know, and, and he had the, the help also of uh, a Ron Wolf, who was a real outstanding football person as well, that had kind of grown up with Mr. Davis, and uh, so uh, they were. Uh, he was a big help to uh, Coach Davis. Now, when you were a rookie, there was a rookie quarterback named Tom Flores. Did you ever envision he would end up coaching the Raiders? Not, I, I didn't envision that at all. No, I, I uh, knew Tom was a football person. Um, he uh, knew what he was doing out there on the field. Uh, he had the help uh, 
of uh, naturally the first three years he didn't do it that well because he had he was sick. We also were starting the American Football League, but it was right after that, after his uh, illness, that he got better and uh, came on and and showed what he could do. And and he 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 had a football mind and he had a mind for coaching. And um, it was it was no surprise to me that he became the Raider coach and then later on uh, Seattle and right on up the, the ranks. This is what I don't get about the Hall of Fame. They kept promoting Bill Parcells. You keep hearing Don Coryell. You hear about all these great coaches and Tony Dungy. He's going to go in as the first minority coach in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But Tom Flores won two championships with Oakland. He was a solid player in the NFL. Why is he not getting considered as a finalist for the Hall of Fame? If I had that answer, I'd give it to you. I don't have that answer. Um, you know, uh, Jim Plunkett as well. You know, they're, you, you look at both of those guys. They're both Hispanic. Uh, you, you, you don't like to think that's what's holding them back. But, you know, there's uh, I, the, the selection committee for the Hall of Fame, um, I wouldn't want to say that... Uh, uh, they were racist or anything like that, but uh, they're also. But they're. I think a lot of them thought that uh, Tom Flores and uh, guys like Tom were tutored so heavily by Mr. Davis that it wasn't really their ability to do uh, what they're doing. It was it, they were getting it from Mr. Davis, and uh, I, I think that's unfair because. Uh, even back a few years ago when John Madden went in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, they wanted to put him, the selection committee wanted to put him into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a football-related person, not as a coach. And I was very, very upset about it. I went to the Hall of Fame for one of the uh, selection committee meetings, and I stood before those people and uh, and really read him out and told him what I thought about the situation and that John Madden was a football coach and the greatness of the Raiders at that time was because of John Madden. When the Raiders started winning, they did so on a consistent basis. They win the uh, AFL title in, in 67. What did that feel like after all the years of struggling? Well, it was, it was fantastic. Uh, it was, you know... I I love uh, a football player loves good coaching, and they'll respect the coaches that because it's important for a coach to take you the way you know. You saw these these two brothers coaching this this weekend and all, and and prior to this throughout the season, and what they did and everything. Uh, these are the kind of coaches that a real football player loves to play for. And they would they would give their shirt off their back to play for a guy like that. Even back in the day when John Gruden was a Raider coach, every every young guy in the National Football League would like to have been with the Raiders at that time. So when you get a coach that has the ability, the desire, and the drive like these guys, like the Harbaugh's, like uh, Gruden, like Al Davis, like a lot of these guys. Um, it, it's it's like a dream come true to have someone like that that you can play for. 
I mean, it was a tough act to follow. I mean, Al Davis was coached, then he went to Madden, then he went to Flores. From the founding of the Raiders, or early in the Raiders' history, like 63, 64, up until like 88, you only had three coaches. I know, and it's fantastic. And, and uh, you know, it, it, for a guy like me who loved football as much as me, uh, I would like to be playing yet today, and or maybe I, I should... Maybe I should have gone into coaching. Maybe I should have been a coach because football is just very, very, uh, you know, it, it's been the most important part of my life. And I would love to be able to get out there and compete. But uh, this guy you're talking to right now is 75 years old. Can you believe that? I can't. No. But, I mean, if you're, a Raider, if you're a Raider coach, you were set. Look at Blitnikoff and Willie Brown. I mean, they had they went through coaches, but head coaches, but those assistant coaches kept their jobs because if Al liked you, you weren't going anywhere. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but you know, uh, the the whole Raider image and everything uh, is is a phenomenal history, and um, it, it it was great, and I I cherish all those moments. Now, I will say the Raiders are the only team that I can think of, pro team, to have two players with the last name of Otto, because you had Gus Otto at, uh, at linebacker. Did you go up against him in practice? Uh, not really. Gus was an outside linebacker, but he was, a, he was a very fine football player, exceptional football player, intelligent. I mean, he... He didn't uh, break an assignment on pass coverage. He didn't break an assignment on on uh, wherever the stunts were going. Uh, Gus was always there, and uh, we are not brothers, but we think we're relatives. Uh, our parents came from Germany about the same time, and uh, so uh, I call him Brother Gus, and uh, we're fairly fairly close with uh, you know him and his his children and family. And uh, whenever there's a celebration of marriage or, or whatever, we are all together, and um, with his children or and even my children. So um, that's how we were close with with Gus Otto. And uh, but he was a fine football player, and uh, I, I'm very proud of him. When you went to the first Super Bowl with the Raiders, what was that game like? Well, you know they. They said it was uh, going to be a lot of uh, hoopla and all that stuff, and yeah, there was. But I didn't let that stuff bother me. I didn't get into that at all. Uh, all I know is I'm, I'm a kid from Wausau, Wisconsin, going against uh, uh, Lombardi's Packers, Ray Nitschke, Kostelnik, Jordan, those guys in the inside. That that was what I was after. I I had a block, basically those three guys, Kostelnik and Jordan, along with Nitschke. And they were uh, an exceptional trio, and uh, um, that's what I prepared for. And uh, that's uh, I'm very proud to, of the way that I played against them. Uh, Vince Lombardi complimented me on my play, uh, I, um, but uh, yet we lost, and that's what I, I was after—a win, not not a compliment. Was there one defensive lineman or linebacker that gave you significant trouble? that you knew when you lined up this is going to be a long afternoon? Well, if you if you go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and just go in my era and take a look at the, the middle linebackers and the defensive tackles that are in there, they're pretty darn good. 
when you got yeah. uh, Lily and you know the likes of all those guys, Joe Green and Nitschke and Butkus and and all these different um, inside guys, linebackers and stuff. There were some great ones in there, and uh, those were the guys that I had a prepared a battle for. And um, you know, in order to um, I guess get the notoriety of the uh, Hall of Fame or All Pro. You got to be able to uh, handle guys like that, and I'm I'm proud to say that um, I did a pretty good job at that. The Raiders were always known for their offensive lines. They had you, Gene Upshaw. You had a lot of Hall of Famers on there. Was it because of the, what you guys did with weightlifting that you were so much ahead of the time? Well, there, it was uh, weightlifting uh, we we did, but also there was just an awful lot of pride and poise in these guys. And we worked together hard at practice, and uh, we wanted to be the best. Uh, I mean, uh, like an Upshaw and a Shell, they had tremendous pride in themselves. And and naturally, uh, I was very proud of my team, and, and I tried to uh, uh, exude, exude that pride out there uh, on the field every day in practice and every Sunday on the, in the game. So um, it was something that... I think uh, Mr. Davis instilled in us the pride, the poise, the dedication, the commitment to excellence, all those things that you've heard about over the years. That was the Raiders. That was our, our Raider teams. Did you have a personal favorite quarterback to work with? I didn't have any personal favorite quarterback, no, sir. I played. I When, when Blanda took the snap from me, I knew we were going to do something special. I knew that he had in his mind... Uh, some way to where he was going to complete some passes, get in position to get a field goal or get in position to get a touchdown. And when Stabler was in there and Stabler played a lot of games behind me, uh, you know, we knew that uh, it was going to be bam, bam, and you're going at it, let's go. And, and there was a lot of uh, uh, commitment out there, a lot of pride, like I've mentioned before. And uh, same thing with LaMonica. LaMonica was a, a super athlete. And uh, he did a lot of athletic things out there uh, to complete passes and things. And, and uh, we were ready. We practiced. We, we practiced hard. Uh, teams today don't practice like we, many of our, our teams used to practice back then. Uh, so I think for success in anything, the teams have to work harder. You take, you take the 49ers, you take the Ravens this week. Those guys worked dead gum hard for the last, you know, well, the last couple of years. Uh, look what uh, Jim did. He, he, two playoffs and John, five playoffs in a row. I mean, you don't get there if you don't work hard. And, uh, that's why every team out there, if they're hearing me on this uh, broadcast, you've got to work hard if you want to get to the big time. They're making a big to-do about concussions nowadays and how basically the players are at risk. I mean, your body, I'm looking, you had 40 surgeries, knee operations. I mean, the physical toll you took wasn't from concussions, it was from the hits. Oh, no doubt about it. You know, one thing you forgot about is I had my leg amputated a couple of years ago due to football injuries, and uh, nobody uh, nobody really said, Jim, I'm sorry, uh uh, what can we do for you? Can, you know, they they didn't have any insurance for dismemberment or anything like that. Uh, but uh, and as far as concussions are concerned, I think it's being overplayed a little bit. 
uh, I've had I had probably about 25 concussions or more than that when I played, and uh, I'm not complaining. I don't have dementia as of right now. My wife thinks I'm a little goofy <laughs> at times, but, but every wife <laughs> thinks that. You know, and right. I uh, I don't have Alzheimer's, and I've been checked over by doctors, and they said I'm not going to have Alzheimer's. I'm beyond that. <clears throat> so I, I do have some cognitive problems. Uh, I've been checked over by uh, Dr. Amen down in Southern California. He's concerned about some of those cognitive things that I, I uh, didn't do well on the test, but uh, I feel very good about it. Uh, I'm gonna go along. I've uh, I punished my body playing football like we all do, but some of these guys I think are just looking for uh, a handout after they get through playing and get a get a paycheck uh, from some uh, medical insurance or something that uh, is going to pay off the guys that do have some uh, memory problems. Now, you never missed a game during your career because of injury. How did you know when it was time to call it a career? Well, uh, I played 308 straight games, and uh, I had hurt my knee. Uh, well, that, that's an understatement. Uh, yes, I had hurt my knees, and I was going along, and uh, in, in 1974, I thought, wow, this is kind of getting kind of tough out here, and yet I made second string all-pro. Uh, after all those years, I uh, come into my 16th year of football, and uh, I I just had a feeling in my knee that uh, I didn't like. Uh, it didn't seem as though I would be able to play up to the standards that I uh, had played to uh, at all this all this time, and I just didn't want to uh, be a guy that's hanging on out there. I I didn't make much money at all. I think the most money I made was seventy thousand a year. That's uh, in my sixteenth year of pro football. So seventy thousand. You got you got Flacco talking about twenty twenty some million now. <clears throat> so anyway, I wouldn't mind uh, hanging around there with him and uh, being his water boy or something. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, it it. Uh, I think they're just making a lot out of this thing, and sure, I, we all have memory loss to a certain extent. We uh, we can't think of a professor's name that we went to college where we went to college that uh, sometimes uh, your wife might say something to you about when you go by the store, pick up a loaf of bread, and you bring home a pound of cheese instead, <clears throat> and uh, that's no big deal as far as I'm concerned. Um, I just I just don't want football to be hurt. We, we've been playing football. I know that's for sure. We've been playing football for many many years, and there's been a lot of headaches out there, and there's been a lot of concussions. I've had amnesia for three days where I didn't know who and where I was, but uh, I still can remember when it happened. So as long as I can remember when that happened, that's been a lot of years <laughs> ago. Uh, I think I'm I'm in pretty good shape. So. I wish these guys would quit crying so damn much, and uh, if, if they would add uh, some strength and being a decent football player to begin with, uh, they wouldn't be crying right now. I think part of the pro- a couple problems are, one is they don't use those tackling dummies anymore. They don't learn how to tackle. They're leading with the head. 
And also, there's no reason for these guys to be 350, 360 pounds. For the first six years of football, you never saw a guy over 300 pounds. I mean, keep a weight limit on That's these guys. True. That's true. You know, and um, I, I hit with my head all the time. That I would lead with my head. That's the first thing I would hit the opponent, then my forearms, and then my shoulders. And, uh, you know, I, I blocked the way I was taught to block. And that's the way I was try I tried to be, uh, a perfectionist at my trade. And that's what I did every time. And, you know, you get, you get headaches doing that. I had a concussion three weeks ago. Uh, I was in a, a wheelchair because I, when I take my leg off at night to sleep, I, um, I have to have a wheelchair to get me to the restroom in the hotel. And I backed up with the wheelchair in my room. And it tipped over backwards, and I hit my head right on the, the tile floor. It sounded like a coconut broke open. And uh, I, I had a headache for like about four days, so I had a concussion. Sure, what, what the hell? Uh, I had a lot of concussions. Uh, so there I was. I didn't feel too good for about four or five days. My wife and I are in this hotel, um, you know, we're off uh, having a holiday and, and visiting, and I got a headache. Um, so big deal. I mean, I, I probably got hit in the head that time harder than most guys ever get hit in the NFL. And, um, so I was a little, uh, busy for a while, but, uh, you gotta, you gotta suck it up and get off your backside. Play I, that stood out in my career. Oh, there's so many of them, uh, there's so many plays that, uh, I can remember in my career that, uh, Either I got dinged pretty good or someone dinged me, but I, it's, um, Bill Berge. If you want to talk to, talk to somebody, find, find Bill Berge and he'll tell you a story about me. And, uh, it's kind of comical because Madden is, is chewing me out from the sideline because Bill Berge was a rookie and, uh, Bill was setting up his defensive line to free him from me. That in other words, a defensive tackle would chip at me. And I couldn't get a free shot at Bill Berge, and Bill was making some tackles, and uh, Madden was uh, kind of hollering at me, Otto, can't you get that rookie? And then it is along Berge saying, yeah, Otto, can't you get that rookie? And I says, you're damn right I can get that rookie, just as <laughs> I'm saying to myself. And I went after him and put him out of the game. What was playing for Madden like? John was... Uh, well, John is only about a year and a half older than me, so, you know, you, to have respect for someone, you know, like that, uh, I had tremendous respect for Coach Madden as well as the rest of our teammates did, but, uh, you know, I, he wanted a, the game played a certain way and we played it for him, you know, and he, and he was demanding. He was a. He, he would demand that we play the game that way, and and that's what we would do. So, uh, uh, you know, he he was like one of the guys, but then he was also uh, you know a taskmaster, and he wanted the game to be played that sort that way. So um, we all loved John Madden, and uh, and he was he was a great guy to play for. What I never got with Gene Upshaw when he became head of the NFLPA was why he didn't take care of the former players. Did you ever have any talks to him and say, Gene, what are you doing to us? 
Yeah, I well, the thing I, that used to happen was I would get a lot of phone calls from retired players and uh, right at my home, and I would answer the phone, and they'd say, Jim Otto, I say, yeah, I says, what are we going to do? Upshaw won't do this, Upshaw won't do that. Can you talk to him? Well, I would talk to Gene different times, and he would, you know, be very reluctant to give me any answers or anything. I was, you know, I'm... And I don't like to put anybody down because Gene did a lot for the players in helping with the free agency, helping with collective bargaining agreements, stuff like that. I wasn't always in agreement with what was going on, but uh, Gene did an awful lot for the football players. And um, so, you know, it comes down to it. Uh, uh, there's been a lot happening to foot in to football in years in the past years, um, and there's been a lot of people who've worked very hard to make these things happen. And um, so, as far as Gene Upshaw was concerned, I think that uh, he was uh, an excellent administrator and uh, did a did a good job. Uh, not everybody agreed with him, but uh, yet it was a, he he did good for football. Why did you? Why do you always refer to Al Davis as Mr. Davis? I never got that. Well, because I normally call him Coach. I normally call him Coach, but uh, he was, uh, you know, with respect to people, you will, you will, uh, you know, give him a <laughs> that dignity of calling him Mr. Davis, uh, Coach Davis. Uh, and that's what I always did. Like when I would come up to him, I would I would usually address him as coach, uh, whether we were in the office or whether we were on the field. And um, and then there were times that uh, when I would refer to him to, to, to people, I would refer to him as as Mr. Davis on the field and in football. I'd call him Coach Davis. Who was the best football player you ever saw? I've, uh, I think that person has yet to be seen. Um, as far as I'm concerned, there's, you, you saw a lot of great football this last weekend, and you've seen a lot of great football this past football season and in the past years. And as time goes on, we see great football players, great plays, um, Real fine young men doing well for football and doing well for for humanity out there, and, and uh, football is a part of a way that we can uh, basically uh, address these people and communicate with people to uh, be uh, good leaders, be in, be good Americans, and uh, be great football players. And that, I think that great football players yet to be seen. There's you know. You, you look back and you say, gee, Johnny Unitas died young. Gee, so-and-so left us too soon. Uh, uh, you know, Ray Nitschke was a tough son of a gun, and uh, how come he had to die so young? And uh, four weeks ago, I had a birthday, and uh, I sat with my grandchildren, and I, I just said, uh, children, I said, can you believe Grandpops is 75 years old? I don't feel it. I says, but I am. And I says, we've been really blessed that I've been able to be here that long with you guys. 
and uh, there's all these other guys out there the same way same way and there's great football players that have uh, made a mark somewhere along the way in the NFL in college and um, a mark that can be looked up at uh, for the rest of young people's lives um, and it's fantastic it's just to me it's been a, a wonderful uh, life that I've been able to lead and um, I will always be very thankful for the big hits that I got <laughs> some of the big hits that got me uh, you know and and the victories and the celebrations afterwards and all that stuff I'll always remember those how excited were you when you found out you went in the Hall of Fame well, you, you wouldn't believe it. Uh, the day that I was notified that I was going into the Hall of Fame, I, you know, I had an idea. Uh, people told me that I was up for it that year. But I was at my ranch. I had a pair of bib overalls on. And I was awful of dust and dirt. And it was, um, you know, I guess it was in January when, when they made that announcement that I made it. But I was out there. I, I raised walnuts. And I had I, I had thousands of walnut trees and and I just was going to work like I normally would and, and even on the day of the selection I just went to the ranch and did some work and um, <clears throat> the phone rang at my uh, my my uh, ranch manager's uh, house on the ranch and his wife came out and and said uh, Mr. Otto you wanted on the phone so I went to the phone and. And uh, there uh, they were, and they said, uh, Jim Otto, you've been selected uh, in the first round to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I said, oh, boy, wow. I said, what do I do now? <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, they made they, uh, made arrangements with my wife and everybody that we would uh, go to Hawaii where they would make the uh, announcement. Uh, it was very, very exciting for a kid that, uh, you know, was told that he couldn't make it. He was too small, and uh, I uh, went out to prove that I could do it. So it was it well, was a very very exciting time. There's not a whole, whole lot of centers but, that end up in the Hall of Fame. Well, there's there's this, we got several centers in there. I'm very proud of the the group that I'm with. All right, that wraps up another edition of Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. I'd like to thank Wes Anseld and Jim Otto for being a couple of uh, wonderful guests today. I'd like to thank our executive producer, Dave Olson. And we encourage you to catch this wonderful show, Sports and Torts, on TalkZone next Thursday at noon, or it is also available on podcast. See you next time. <laughs>